afternoon. Welcome. My name is John T. Um, nice to see you. And um, if you keep that passage open, we are going to come back to it. Um, but it's a little bit different what we're doing these few weeks. Um, if you were here last week, you'll know that we've started a five-week series on think about what the church is. What is the church? Why does it exist? What's it for? What does it mean to be part of it? All that kind of stuff. Um, and so this afternoon, um, we're going to be looking at sorry, one particular aspect of that. And um, we're going to range around a little bit, which isn't what I normally do. Normally, we pick one passage, we stick in it, and we dig around in it. But this afternoon, we're going to range around a little. And can I just say, before I start... Um, I want to be quite careful this afternoon because I'm aware that for some of us, what I'm going to say this afternoon will be quite new. Uh, Some of you will have been in churches uh, and you'll have heard this kind of stuff and you'll think, yep, 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 get that. Others of you will have come from different churches where what I'm saying isn't necessarily the way that you're used to it being done. And we're going to be talking about membership and what it means to be a member of a church. And I'm just quite conscious that uh, we'll we'll have got different experiences, we'll have come from different churches that have done it in different ways. And I want us to try and unpack, well, what does the the Bible have to say? And uh, and then how are we going to work that out in practice? Um, Sam, can I just ask, can you turn me down on here? Because I I feel like I'm very loud. Um, Okay, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into this topic. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your grace, that grace that saves and redeems and rescues and raises us up. And Father, we pray this afternoon that we might understand something more of what your word says and that we might be helped to love and to adore Jesus. And we ask it in his name. Amen. I've also uh, this afternoon done a handout for you, which is, again, I don't normally do, special treat. Uh, And I'm just aware, it feels a little bit, and it may look a little bit like a lecture. So, Please try and engage in a worshipping way rather than a lecturing way uh, with what we're saying. Um, It will make sense as we go through. There's a question at the top, which my guess is you have never, ever asked yourself. Uh, Here's here's a question you probably never thought was important. How should someone who is part of the universal church rightly relate to the local church? That's that's not a common question, I guess, that you woke up this morning thinking, well, I wonder... Uh, but I want to ch- that, that's the question that I want us to try and think. How should someone who is part of the universal church rightly relate to the local church? Now, let me firstly define what I mean by universal church and local church, because what, what do those terms mean? Um, well, we're going to think first of all about the universal. Here's, here's one verse from the Bible that talks about this idea of the universal church. This is um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It's written specifically to husbands, but we're going to look at what it says about Christ particularly. It says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, the word church that's used in that verse is a huge word. 
That is an example of the way the church is talked about as the universal church. That is, all of God's people from all of time, through all of history, that is the church. That is what uh, the man who wrote this called Paul was saying. And to be part of that church, that universal church, is to be someone who can say, Christ loved me and gave himself up for me. I was filthy, I was a sinner, I was lost, I was an orphan, like we've been singing in these songs. And when you see that you, because of your sin, are filthy before God, and when you see that Christ came, the very reason that Jesus came was to die on a cross to wash you clean, When you see that and you say, Jesus, please wash me. Please make me clean. You become part of his universal church. Part of his great gathering. You see, what is it that Jesus is doing in this world? We saw last week, we began to think about the fact that God is building his church. He's gathering a people. That is what Jesus came to do. In the Bible, um, to be scattered is a picture of judgment. When people are scattered, that's a bad thing. And when people are gathered, it's a picture of blessing. The classic example of this is a time when humanity built a tower to try and reach God at Babel in Genesis chapter 11. They try and reach God. They're building their tower. Let's build a tower to the heavens. God's in heaven. He looks down and he goes, what is that? Oh, look, they built something. It's very small. Let's go down and have a look at it. Oh, they built a tower. And then he scatters them across the face of the earth. God acts in judgment to scatter. That's in Genesis 11. But in the very next chapter, in Genesis chapter 12, God starts to gather a people. He chooses a man called Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing. And through you, I'm going to make a great nation. I'm going to gather a people. And then through that nation, I'm going to reach all the nations and gather in a people who will be my people, my church. That is the universal church. That is what Jesus is doing. That is what he has been doing throughout all of history, gathering a people. And that word church, is the, the Greek word is ecclesia, and it literally just means gathering, gathering people together, an assembly. And that great gathering is finally pictured at the very end of time in Revelation chapter 7 as a vast multitude that no one can count standing before the throne worshipping Jesus. It's fantastic. The universal church. So in some ways my first question this afternoon for you, forget membership of local church, forget all of that stuff for a second. Here's my first question. Are you part of the universal church? Are you someone who can say, Jesus loved me and gave himself for me? Are you someone who can say, I... I know that I'm filthy. I know that I've blown it. I know that I'm an enemy in God's sight. But Jesus came and he died on a cross. And can you see that when he stretched out his arms on the cross, he stretched out his arms to gather you so that you could be brought in, so that you could become part of his people. And look how it's described. If you're, listen, please, right? If you're a Christian here this afternoon, this describes you. You are part of this. Jesus died to make his people, his church, holy. 
cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. As we hear the gospels, we hear this word, we are washed clean as we trust in Jesus. And then we are presented to Jesus as a radiant... Do you feel radiant this afternoon? (laughs) Terrific. Well, you are, if you're uh, part of the church. You are a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Isn't that cool? In and of myself, I'm full of stains and blemishes and wrinkles. I am not clean, but Jesus makes me clean. And you have to understand, you may have had a rubbish week, you may have blown it, you may have stuffed up in all sorts of ways, and yet Jesus died and you are clean and you're part of his universal church. It is a magnificent truth. That's my first question. Are you part of this universal church? Are you part of this gathering of God's people that he through all of history, has been gathering. That's the universal church. But there is another way that the Bible uses the word church. And the second way is in terms of what is called the local church. So have a look at these words. These words were written to a bunch of guys, it was spoken actually, to a bunch of guys uh, who were elders of a church in Ephesus. And it's in Acts 20 and it says this. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now that cannot mean the universal church. <laughs> because otherwise, these, this group, this little group of elders on the beach, in, uh, in wherever they are, on the beach, and uh, they're having a nice time, and... Uh, Paul says to them, you are shepherds of the church of God. Now that cannot mean that they are responsible for all of the universal church. It can't mean that. They are responsible for the church in Ephesus, where they have been placed. They are responsible for the specific group where where they have been given responsibility. There was... The universal church is expressed through the local church. And so there's loads of churches you read about in in the New Testament. There's a church in Rome, a church in Colossae, a church in Thessalonica, and so on. Lots of local gatherings of God's people. This one universal church is expressed through local gatherings, local assemblies, local ecclesia, local churches made up of people who have trusted Jesus and have been washed clean by him. The local church is the visible expression of the universal church, and they are both called church. Right. Let's go back to my question. How should someone who is part of the universal church relate to the local church? Does it matter? Well, here are three um, things that I think we can say from the New Testament. Uh, Three things that I hope will help us um, from the pages of the Bible. Firstly, uh, I want to say... Oh, hang on. There's the first one. The first... (laughs) It came up funny order. The first one is, there's an expectation that those who belong to the body or the church will also be part of a body, a local church. There is no, the, the universal church on its own, it's, 
There's no examples in the Bible of someone who goes, well, I'm part of the universal church, but I'm nothing to do with the local church. It just doesn't happen. That's not the way it works. The way that you show you're part of the universal church is by being committed to a local church. That's the expectation. That is how it works. Christians are not supposed to be lone rangers who kind of sit at home on their own saying, I don't, I don't need a local church. I'm part of the universal church. No, the, the New Testament says you, you're part of a fellowship. You're part of a community. Secondly, um, the group who make up a local church can be defined. Now, no, this sounds all a bit technical, but what I mean is it's not just kind of, well, you know, there's a, there are a few Christians who get together on a Sunday afternoon in this building, and they're sort of the, the globe. I mean, who's the globe church? What, what does that mean? Can you define who the globe church are or not? Are we sitting here this afternoon, everybody here, is this the globe church? Or not? Or can you define it? What about the people who aren't here today? Are they not part of the globe church because they weren't here today? Or what about the people who are here today but won't probably ever be here again? Are they just part of the globe church for today or not? Do you see how it's slightly confusing? Now I want to say, according to the New Testament, it's very clear that it, it is possible to say who is part of the church. Uh, now, if you've got your Bibles, you, I haven't got this one on the screen. You have to turn to this one. Why don't you have a look at uh, Matthew chapter 18. So I realize there's, there's quite a lot of um, technical stuff this afternoon. I'm sorry about that, but I, I really want to just try and get you to understand uh, why we do what we do as a church. Um, Chapter 18 of Matthew, verse 15. It says this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their faults just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Now, if you think about that... Jesus, as he says that, clearly expects there to be a group who are defined as the church. Okay, so imagine that uh, me and Trevor have had a... Sorry, Trevor, you're just sitting there. Imagine me and Trevor have had a falling out, and uh, I've tried to sort it out with him. He won't listen to me. I've taken the elders, and he won't listen to them either. And I need to bring it to the church. Do I just bring it to anyone who... Well, let's see who turns up today. That's a bit weird, isn't it? No, there must be a clearly definable way of identifying who the church is. Who is part of the church? Because otherwise that doesn't work. Or if you go back to that verse, uh, uh, to the elders in Ephesus, keep watch over the flock, keep watch over the church. I will be called to account one day for how I have cared for the globe church. Now, who am I responsible for? If I can't define who the church is. If you're just a visitor passing through today and you're only here, am I responsible, suddenly responsible for you today? And then, but thank goodness you won't be here next week, so that, that's another one I can... T- How does it work? 
You see, there seems to be... Now, exactly how you define it, we're going to come to in a minute, but it must be possible to define the church. Third thing. Membership must be more than simply attending. You see, you could say, well, Globe Church is anyone who comes along. Okay, well, now you've got problems, haven't you? Because how many times do they have to come before they're a committed member? You know, is it like three times? Or, that's a bit strange, isn't it? And there is a difference between being a member of something and attending. Let me give you a silly example. If you come round to my house for tea, you will be a very welcome guest in my home. Most of all of you. <laughs> You'll be very, very welcome. And you will come and you will sit and you'll be, you'll be able to sit at our table, you'll be able to eat our food, you'll be able to enjoy those things. Let me tell you something. If partway through the meal you start calling me dad, that will freak me out. And then if you say to me, can I have some pocket money? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a distinction here, right? Between those who are a member of the family and those who are very welcome guests. There is a difference. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about saying the next thing because my mum and dad are here today. Um, one of the things that I treasured and delighted as a child was uh, our National Trust membership. It was a great source of joy and pleasure to me. In fact, I remember the day when we first joined the National Trust. Uh, we were sat, like, it, it's so clearly in my head, we were sat at a very big oak, polished oak table with a National Trust man, and we were filling in forms. And I was, it was in this very s- stately home, and I was slightly unexcited about the whole thing. And then some other people came into the room, and another group. And this man looked at them and he said this, are you members of the National Trust? And they said, yes. And he said, pass, friend. (laughs) I was very, very suspicious. (laughs) Anyway, uh, now because I'm a parent, we have joined English Heritage. (laughs) And uh, I got the uh, members magazine just this week, which I haven't yet had a chance to read, but obviously I'm very, very excited. And I now drag my children around castles and other boring things and uh, joyful, sorry, 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 uh, wonderful things to educate and uh, entertain them. Now, what was the point of that? Yes, membership, right? There is a difference between being a member and an attendant. Now, I think, though, that begins to get why we slightly feel nervous about membership, doesn't it? Because we sort of know that it's true, that there's a difference between people who come along and people who belong, people who are members of the church. But it makes us a bit nervous because it, it feels like me sitting at a table and that kind of past friend. Oh yes, these are the ones who belong. These are the special ones. So I think there are some objections to... Oh, we'll do a definition of membership. 
No, we'll do, the, we'll do the objections first. There are some objections to membership, okay? The objections to membership, I think, are this sort of... Does it have to be so formal? Can't we just have a sort of... Yeah, well, you know, we sort of know who's part of the Globe Church and who aren't. Do, do, we, do people actually have to sort of identify themselves as members of the Globe Church? Why can't we just be a bit more chilled about it? You know, I love, the guy, I love guys, the, these guys at church... Isn't that enough? Won't that do? Or perhaps our fear is, isn't it that this is in danger of being elitist and divisive? Aren't we just going to end up making a divide between the church, those who are in and those who are out? Well, I want to say that if membership ends up doing, making a division, we've got it completely wrong. Because actually membership is nothing to do with Uh, um, superiority and elitism and privilege and all those kind of things like it is in National Trust. It's not about getting access to something. Membership is about saying, I'm I'm committed here. This is where I want to be. It doesn't exclude. It is about saying, this is where I want to be. Now, I get that some people will want to say, yeah, 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 I'm totally with Globe Church. I want to be committed here. And I get that others may say, I'm not so sure. And that's okay. It's okay to have members and very welcome guests. That's okay. And that doesn't, at no point am I going to stand up and say, right, members, you can come forward first and you can have you know, you can eat the bread and drink the wine first and you can have special privileges. That doesn't, that's not how it works. In fact, if you come as a welcome guest in my home, who gets treated first? The guests do. <laughs> yeah, they do. Just after the kids. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> if we were a proper family, that's what we do, right? Because true membership, true family belonging actually is outward looking it's a welcoming thing not a divisive thing but there is a distinction okay so here's here's um here's a definition of membership all right you've got this on your sheets i think after all that we've seen uh individual followers of jesus consciously committing themselves to a definable local body of god's people that's what i think membership means somebody who says I'm part of the universal church you've got to be part of the universal church before you can be part of the local church obviously but somebody who says I'm part of the universal church and this is the local church where I want to nail my flag to the what do you do with a flag to the mast yes you don't nail a flag to the mast anyway colours do whatever you do with colours to a mast you say this is where I want to be committed that's a definition of membership now that is worked out in different churches in different ways I get that different churches kind of define their membership in different ways and you all have been in different churches where some will have said it's the people who are regularly there I was chatting to a guy the other day who said they kind of see it as the people who come to their prayer meeting they're sort of the committed regular members you know, some churches say, oh, it doesn't really matter. We don't really have a membership. Actually, at Globe Church, we think membership really matters. And so we're going to, um, we're going to be asking people to say, yeah, formally to say, I commit myself to being part of this church. 
Now, I get, I totally get that for some people, you think, I'm not happy to do that, I'm not ready to do that, that's fine. It's, it's not a big deal. All, all we're saying is that we want to take what is already true of lots of you who are saying, yeah, yeah, this is my church. It's always saying, it's not that this will make you a member, it's saying, I am a member of this church. Yeah? Okay. Uh, we're going to get to 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, which you might still have open in front of you, um, which is what Mary read to us earlier. Because I want to show you, what, is it, what, what, are, what are we asking members to say? What does it mean? And I want to I say, if you can say these four things, then that is what membership of Globe Church means, right? The first thing is, I belong. If you can say, I belong, then that is part of what it means to be a member. So here's, here's uh, that bit that Mary read, which is a great picture. So this idea of the church being a body. Globe Church is a body. Christ is the head of that body. But look, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye. Where it's a very powerful image, this, isn't it? And not, not that difficult to understand. You know, the foot might be having an inferiority complex day. Might be thinking, I'm just a foot. You know? And it looks at the hand, and it looks at all the stuff that the hand can do, and it thinks, I can't wiggle like that. I just can't do that. I can't, I can't pick things up. I'm useless. And Paul says, no, no, you belong. And here's the heart of membership. The, me- the heart of membership is not that I sign a form and say, I'm going to join this national trust. The heart of membership is to say, this is where I belong. And belonging is, is the most wonderful privilege. And actually, it is what our hearts ache for. It's what people long for. I want to find a place I belong. I want to find a place that I can call home. I want to find a place where I can be me where I don't have to be something else. I don't have to try and be a hand. I'm not a foot going around, look at me, I'm a hand, I'm a hand. I'm not. I'm happy to say I'm a foot. And I'm happy with that. And there's such a freedom. I want you to know that church membership is not some kind of straitjacket that says, oh, you've got to be a member. Church membership is about saying, I'm, I belong here. I'm me. And I'm put here. For this church. Now, if you're visiting, if you're from another church, then I want you to translate this into the church where you normally are. I want you to translate this into the church where you're regularly going, the church where you're committed. I want you to be able to say, I belong here. And for some of you, perhaps you do feel like, well, Globe Church doesn't really need me. I'm not that, I'm not that useful. Paul says, yes, you are. You belong. And not only do we need to say, I belong, we also need to say the flip side of that, which is, I need others. Not only do I belong, I also need others. So look how Paul goes on. The I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. So now, the I is having a superiority complex day. Right, the foot was feeling inferior, but the I is feeling superior. So it looks at the hand and it says, well, I don't need you. You useless, grabby thing. You're not nearly as complex as me. I have a whole system of nerves and retina and things that make me see I'm far more complex and more useful than you. You'd be nothing without me, hand. 
Do you see how it's beautifully balanced, this? Don't feel inferior and feel like you don't belong. And don't feel superior and feel like you don't need anyone else. Actually, Paul says you need others. Here's why you need to be part of a church. Because you need other people. Because you, I, are not a hand. Therefore, you will sit on the floor as a little sphere, seeing everything, but able to do nothing. Do you see how... Paul's argument here is so powerful. When I say I want to be a member, I'm saying I belong here and I need everybody else who's in this church. I need them. Sometimes I hear people say, um, no one's indispensable. Have you ever heard that? Don't ever think you're indispensable. No one's indispensable. That's wrong. It's wrong because Paul says that's wrong. Everybody is indispensable in the church. Look, he says it. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That is, you cannot do without them. That's very strong. And so those, those, of you, those of us maybe who feel like we're quite strong Christians, and you know, I think I'd probably be alright on my own. You wouldn't. You need the body. In fact, you need... Those who we might perceive, humanly speaking, to be weaker than us. In fact, not only do you need them, we are to treat the weaker with special honour. Can I say, let me just have a quick... Um, this, this absolutely hammers the whole celebrity pastor type culture. Who is the one person in the church who does not need honour? According to Paul. According to Paul, it seems to me that the only, really the one who least needs to be honoured publicly is the pastor, is the preacher. Because he's up front all the time. And yet what we do in our churches is we put pastors, we put preachers on a pedestal. Oh, they're so wonderful, they're so fantastic. Wow, wow, wow. And, or, and actually Paul says, no, you, need, you should be doing that for the weaker, for the ones who no one sees. interesting isn't it I can stand up and preach and I don't it's the ones who unseen those are the ones who really should be being given greater honor and so by becoming a member not by becoming by saying I am a member here you're saying I belong here but also I need this church I need every single other member of this church all of them no one's indispensable Thirdly, it means saying, I commit. So by, by formally committing yourself, by formally becoming a member here, you're saying, I commit myself to this church. Look at these words from Romans 12. Be devoted to one another. That's a strong word. Devoted to one another. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Isn't it weird that at the end he says practice hospitality? Faithful in prayer. You know, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour. Oh, and practice hospitality. Have people around for dinner. But Paul says, no, that's just as important. 
that sense of being committed to one another, that we love one another, that we, we, we are saying, I am committed. Now, commitment means, when do you, when do you need commitment? You only need commitment when things are hard, right? You don't have, it's not difficult to be committed when things are easy. The point of a commitment is that when things get hard, you stick with something. This is why lots of people find the sort of um, being accountable. So if you're, suppose you want to lose weight, you're going on a diet, and um, you're just going to do it on your own. It's quite difficult to... To keep, going, to keep going with it. If I have publicly said I'm going to commit myself to this, and if I'm accountable to someone else, then that commitment, when it's tough, I'll keep going because I'm committed. And I want to say, we, by saying, yes, I want to be a member of this church, you're saying, I want to commit myself. That means when it gets tough, I'm not bailing out. I'm not bailing out. We live in a culture that hates commitment. We live in a culture that's low commitment. And yet, actually, membership is about being committed. So perhaps, you know, you think, oh, I don't fancy going to church this afternoon. I'm really tired of it. I mean, not today, because you, you're all here, so you, this is terrific. Uh, but perhaps you might think, I just, I don't really feel like it today. Commitment says, no, I need to go, because I'm, there's a bunch of people that I'm committed to, and if I'm not there... I can't love them and care for them. You might not feel like it. And you might even get to church and have a rubbish time. But that's because church isn't about you. It's about us. And it's about me saying, I turn up at church and rather than coming in, as I walk in the door, I should be praying, Heavenly Father, I want to be committed to these people. I want to love them. I want to share with them. I want to pray. I want to be devoted. I want to love. I want to... That, be committed. And the last one, um, oh, now, before I put the last verse up, this is a dangerous verse for for me to put up. Um, And I want you to take it in the spirit in which it's written. Okay, you'll see why in a minute. Um, The fourth one is, I entrust. This is from Hebrews 13. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. I find that that's a difficult verse for me to put up. As one of the leaders of Globe Church, that's a difficult verse for me. Because that places a huge responsibility on leadership. But actually, by, by being a member of a church, you are saying, I entrust myself... Not just to the leadership, actually, but to the church. I want you to take care of me. If I begin to wander off, if I begin to turn away from Jesus, I want you to do something. Don't watch me just walk away. If I'm living in a way which is not pleasing to Jesus, I want you to say something. I don't want you to just watch me disobey. I entrust myself. Now, that's a scary thing, isn't it? Because most of us think, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to be in charge. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. That's because we live in a culture of not only low commitment, but also independence. 
And by being part of a church, we say, I want to entrust myself. Entrusting yourself to leadership. So here are the four things. I belong, I need, I commit, and I entrust. And maybe this afternoon, I, and my hope is that for many who've been coming along to Globe Church for a while, you say, yeah, that's me. That, that does actually reflect what I feel about Globe Church. And even if you're not used to the kind of, the, the sort of the idea of more formal membership, I want to say that's, that's all we're doing. We're just acknowledging what is already true. We're saying you are members of Globe Church and we want to formally acknowledge that. And the way we're going to do that, just so that you know, um, on the 18th of May, and the date's on your thing, on the 18th of May we're going to have an evening, it's a Wednesday evening, we're going to have an evening, kind of a membership evening, where anyone who wants to can come along, hear more about membership, look at exactly what it kind of our, we have to have a constitution and a, a, a set of how we do things, and come along, ask all your questions, and then after that we will be asking people to say, do you want to formally commit to be part of Globe Church or to formally express your current membership of Globe Church. So I hope that makes some sense. And please come talk to me. Please come ask me questions. I get that for some of us this is quite different to what we normally hear. But if we're part of the universal church, then we celebrate delight in Jesus and we express that as we commit ourselves to one another. And can I say that I've seen over and over again among the people who've come to Globe Church exactly this. This desire. That's why I feel so excited. That's why I feel so humbled to be part of the leadership of this church. But we're going to pray together now. And, uh, and then we're going to sh- do what church does, which is celebrate Jesus together. Um, in some ways, these things are really, membership really is important. But it isn't really what I love preaching about. <laughs> I love preaching about Jesus. Um, but these things matter. So we're going to pray now and then we're going to celebrate uh, communion together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Um, we thank you for this universal church, this group of people, this, this people that you are gathering, that Jesus is gathering, that Jesus died for, that Jesus pre- has presented holy and blameless and pure. And Father, we thank you for that universal, that massive work, that massive church that you are building. But Father, we thank you too for that lo- those local expressions of church. And Father, many of us have been part of churches and we've enjoyed being part of churches. And we thank you now for Globe Church and where we are now. And Father, we ask that you'd help us to understand what it means to be committed to this local church as an expression of our belonging to your universal church. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Well, that may have raised loads of questions, and I'm really happy.